You only need a glimpse of Guo Pei's magnificent gowns to understand the scope of her imagination. We have an article and all the images on our Culture 101 webpage for you to have a look at. China's most well-known and only haute couture designer has opened an exhibition, Fashion Art Fantasy, at Toy or Tamaki, Auckland Art Gallery, showcasing more than 60 breathtaking and majestic gowns, some of which have never been on display at any other museum. Drawing inspiration from fantasy and mythological stories and even religion, the colourful and structured gowns are meticulously handcrafted by hundreds of embroiderers and take up to two years to create. Guopei was born during the Cultural Revolution in China. It ended when she was nine years old, and up until then, there was no fashion. It was just uniforms of black and grey. So I asked her, how did this impact her as a designer? So I was, in fact, growing up in an age that the Cultural Revolution was coming to an end. So China was really going upwards while I was growing up. And uh, I... Even though during that time that our garments, our costumes has really plain color, have not too much design, but I believe those times I looked at more than what I can see, but I look into my spiritual world to search for imagination. And my grandmother, when I was young, always tell me stories about those beautiful embroidered garments that she used to wear when she was young, and that has given me a lot of inspiration and dreams. There is a really well-known theory in pedagogy says that a person's character developed the most when they were in between one to three years old. So I think my grandmother's stories that told me beside my bedside when I was so little really shaped my imagination. She was talking about, because she was born in 19th century, she was very, very old, and she was talking about those beautifully embroidered uh, garments, those flowers that were so delicate and showed great, fantastic craftsmanship. And she said that they can literally embroider a butterfly onto the garment that looks like they're actually flying up. I used to wondering, how is it even possible that a butterfly can fly on a cloth? But now, while creating my own garments, I starting to understand, and my grandmother's stories becomes my inst- uh, inspiration, becomes something that I'm chasing after consistently. So now, when you're looking at the garments that I have designed, you can see there are lots of butterflies flies on them that are about to flying out of the garment. Your face completely lights up when you talk about the inspiration in your grandma's stories. I can see it, you know, it's very obvious in your face and mm. in your designs. Mm. And you often take inspiration from uh, fantasy, mythical, mysterious creatures. You've drawn from religion as well. What is it about those topics that are so interesting to you and remain interesting to you? So um, I'm always being really imaginative, especially when my grandmother was telling me those beautiful stories. I started to suddenly imagine um, what would be like to living in those kind of worlds, to be in those kind of uh, world and environment. And what's touched me the most, the most mythical experience I've had as a, a couture designer was when I was in Switzerland. I was in a huge cathedral while actually looking up at the fresco on the dome of the cathedral. 
I suddenly feel a really surreal experience. I feel that it's almost an experience that can be called death, in another word. Um, and I feel that I could actually melt within that cathedral. And I feel in front of me, there are different colored bubbles that are surrounding me. There are pink bubbles, there are blue bubbles that are completely surrounding me. So that is a really, really mythical feeling. And I think that uh, a language is something that people use to communicate their ideas. But for my garments, it's a visual communication, it's a visual language that can deliver what I want to convey the deepest within my spirit and also to connect other people's soul with my work, with my design. That's why I see a lot of people that shed their tear when they are looking at my works. That's because they have been touched by this unexplainable mythical feeling that actually radiates from my garments. You're China's only haute couture designer. Was it a challenge to introduce that concept to the country? You know, what were the initial reactions from uh, clients to your creations? When I was young, especially during the Cultural Revolution time, when we talk about garments, there's no such concept as garment design or fashion design. I used to talk about that to the people I know, and they responded with, really, clothes need to be designed? But then, as China opens up, people are starting to chase in something that's beautiful, something that's aesthetical. Um, but during that time, I think their focus is more on something that is trendy that is everybody else, you know, wearing them. So during my first 10 years as a designer, I designed a lot of very popular ready-to-wear garments. And oh, how successful that was. That was extremely successful. People on the street would come to ask me, hey, what are you wear? And the next day I told them, you know, where to purchase my garment. And the next day, everybody on the street would be wearing the same garment or same fashion. So I think that it's a long process that people will be starting to accept the concept of couture because, you know, after I quit the ready-to-wear market, I started to create couture. Back in the days, the term couture haven't even been invented because I didn't even know that I was creating couture design. And I think that I have been educating people in China every single day consistently about what couture is, about its beauty, because I think for this form of fashion to be accepted in China, the population needs to reach a certain level to understand the importance of couture art. I recall the very first time that my first clients come want to order a couture from myself. Back in the day, I was thinking, oh, I'm used to making hundreds of, you know, ready-to-wear and supply that to manufacturers. And it feels a bit strange just design one garment for one client. 
And um, while I draw directly in front of that client, he was very amazed of my skill. He said, wow, you can actually draw straight out regarding what I want to have, what I want to look like. He was utterly amazed. And then we come to the realistic discussion, how much the garment is going to cost. So I was thinking, while I was making ready-to-wear, I spent the same time and I can turn a profit of around 10,000 Chinese yen. Then I think, oh, now I'm designed for one person. I spend the same amount of time, not even more. Um, I'm thinking possibly I need to charge the same amount. But because he's my first client, I'm going to give them a 50% discount. So I said 5,000 Chinese yen. And that person literally went extremely, you know, unhappy about it. He knocked his hand on the table and say, what, really? Just one garment for $5,000? However, oh, I haven't, by the way, I haven't even mentioned the cost of materials. The $5,000 is only for the design itself. But when the couture was actually made, the client was blown away. He said something that I remember until today, that this garment is worth every single penny. And I later on went on to design a lot of garments for uh, celebrities in China. I've even done the New Year's Gala in China. I've done the majority of garments for all of the presenters during the gala. And the interesting thing is, I do not have a contract with CCTV, with the central television, that to design those garments for them. I, in fact, it was those presenters who came to me individually to seek my design. And when they are here, I also try to slot them in really good ways so they don't really meet each other during, in my studio, which was extremely interesting. And I also think that control design is for everybody. It's normally being considered only for the elites. But I think that it's really have to step off the pedestal and go into everybody's family and everybody's worth of a beautiful couture. In 2016, you were invited to become a member of the Chambre Syndicale de la Couture mm. in, in France. I hope I said that correctly. Mm. It's a very exclusive club of mostly European men. What was that like to receive that invitation? Um, for a lot of people, that the Couture Federation is sort of like the peak of the mountain. It's a lot of fashion designers' dream, but they cannot reach. But for me back then, I wasn't really familiar with what that organization actually is. When my husband encouraged me to join the Federation, I was like, I don't really want to go. I just want to design couture in China and create my works in China. Uh, but the husband has eventually persuaded me to go there and to have a conversation and communicate with people from the Federation and see, you know, and let them actually let me know what is this organization about. So I remember I've been to Paris and I talked to a lots and lots of people in different rounds. And eventually, this important staff member, a very elegant lady who is a staff of the Federation, she came in and 
talk to me. I still remember that she came in one hour late, but I waited very patiently for her. She came in and said, I want to let you know we have three criterias for people who are able to become a member of the Federation. The first criteria is if they have a purpose. So they need to know what they want to do. We need to know what's their motivation behind control designing. And the second factor is their contribution. And I immediately say, yes, I did contribute a lot while I was in China. I have designed a lot of control garments already. I have many years of experience. But she was like, no, we're looking at the contribution you're going to give to the fashion, to the control field in future, in future. And the third part, she said the important thing is, you know, your your motivation, your, what, you, what you really want to do. And uh, she, I think that's extremely important as well. And I actually asking her again, hey, do you think design is actually important to become a member of the Federation? She say, ah, design is just for the media to discuss. It's just to be discussed by the viewers. You know, design, there's no definition regarding what is a good design and what is a bad design. So after that conversation, I went straight back. I hold my husband's hand. I told him, I really, really want to join this federation. Yeah. And also, I remember that the lady told me that the craftsmanship is an extremely important factor um, that they are looking for in a designer. Because after hearing this, I feel I had a huge uh, breathing, huge exhale, because I feel so relieved. Because what I was good at was extremely delicate and intricate craftsmanship. And I really, really appreciate the Federation that seeing the craftsmanship as an important criteria, an important factor to become a member of them. So I immediately decided I want to join the Federation. And when I went straight back home, I prepared all those materials. I sent them straight away and I become a member in one pass. Because normally designer, they have to try several times to become a member of the federation. I did that in one pass. And many years later, I went back to Paris and I saw that lady, that elegant lady again. And um, I, she told me, hey, many people ask me, why was Guo Pei passed? in one time, because many people have to try that many, many times. She said, I didn't really, really need to answer. There's no need to give an answer for that, because really her work spoke for herself, simple as it is. So that is how I become a member of the Federation and how I feel within the organization. We can't not talk about the Rihanna dress, which you launched uh, on the Western world stage in 2015. She wore the majestic yellow canary cape gown to the Met Gala. It was 25 kilograms, but it was actually launched uh, as part of your 1002 Nights collection in 2010. So it had been around you know, for, for half a decade by that point. What was that like when suddenly a dress that you had sitting in a box sort of became this global sensation overnight, suddenly? 
I think the whole story was absolutely a mystery to me, even until today. I still remember when my collection One Thousand and Two Nights was just released in 2010 on the runway show.、Uh, the first model. Which her name was Guo Hua, and you can see her on many of the posters nowadays as well.、Um, that she used to wear that garment, and she used to wear those original shoes that came with the garment. But because those shoes was extremely tall, so she, I saw that even before she went onto the stage, her legs were shaken. Her legs were shaken, and when she walked on the runway. She walked extremely slowly and painfully due to first the tall shoes and second the weight of the garment. I was、um, under the stage. I was like, "Oh man, you know, I feel really, really. This is such a regret. I feel really disappointed because I feel that the garment's full glory did not get to shine during that runway show and for a fashion." The runway show, the first time that is displayed to people, is always the most crucial and most important moment. However, because she she walked really slow during the runway show, there are a huge number of pictures taken for that garment, and that eventually led to Rihanna seeing that garment. Uh, from somewhere, so I would say God really works His wonders, and Rihanna saw that, and Rihanna sent her agent to contact me. And back in the days, I did not even know who Rihanna was. I thought Rihanna was going to wear my garment when she was doing her performance. I was like, that garment was way too heavy for you singing and dancing on stage. I didn't know she was going to wear that for the Met Gala. So, I was not too willingly send my picture to Rihanna for her to have a look, and she looked at the picture of the garment and immediately fell in love with it, and she was like, "This is the one." And I was there in the Met Gala, but I didn't see the actual moment when Rihanna was wearing the gown and going onto the stage. I wasn't feeling too well that day, so I really was about to leave. However, I heard behind me that the huge applause, the wow, that just exploding, and at that moment, I realized that was a success. That was a success. So, what I want to say is that、uh, my comments to the young designers, the young people nowadays, is that do not go chase. Fame and wealth and reputation. Just do yourself best, and they will come to you. And the moment after that show, when I was catching my plane back into back into China, I was at the customs. I was showing them my passport, and the customs staff was like, "Guo Pei, Rihanna." And I was like, "What? What is happening?" I thought something, something strange was happening. I thought I was about to be detained there, and suddenly that staff member was greeting other staff and beckoning them to come here to meet with me. So that's how that feels to suddenly have that fame come into you. But I just want to re-emphasize that I did not go chase the fame. People always ask me, "How did you make Rihanna want to wear your gown?" 
I said I didn't make Rihanna want to want to wear my gown. It just happened. I just do myself best. I just design my own garment. So this is my most sincere uh, uh, recommendation or suggestion to young designers nowadays. Just be yourself and wait for your opportunity. Arguably, after that moment, it would have been the opportunity to dress celebrities and the elite from all over the world to break that side of your business open. But you actually ended up keeping quite a low profile. You did almost the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there were a number of celebrities that came to me after the Rihanna moment, asked me to design garments for them, but I turned them down. There are a couple of reasons. The first reason is that I do not to tend to design garments for the people or for the personalities that I am not familiar with. I think if I do not know that person too well, I cannot reach a hundred percent of my creativity to do a garment that is totally fitting for that person. And secondly, I do not have a strong desire for fame and wealth. Um, We just want to let you know that ever from since uh, Rose Studio established in 1997, we have never had an investor who actually invested in my company. I always actually doing my own work to earn my own profits, my own money. I would never ask any other influential people or wealthy people to actually invest and give me money because I do not want to be shackled by others. If you receive benefits from the others, that means that you will need to do things that they may wish you to do, and thus you lose your freedom as a artist and as a designer. So I think that this part is very, very important. I just want to create my own things. I do not want to be shackled by any external world. I am happy and I'm content to going like a tranquil lake. It's constantly steady instead of a sea that have huge waves of ups and downs. So I'm extremely content for myself because I find my inner peace not from external requests or external fame or how influential I am. I just want to be myself and continue to do so. You've been designing now for more than 40 years. How has the fashion inside China changed over the decades and people's attitude towards fashion as art? I think that, you know, in the past, that there are not many galleries and museums in China compared to its huge population. But in the recent 10 to 20 years, I feel like there's a significant explosion of art institutions in China, and the visitors to those art institutions became more and more. So I think especially during the time when we had COVID, when we had lockdown, that's the time for people starting their desire to really chase something spiritual rather than their physical being. And I think that's not only for Chinese people, but for people all around the world as well, that they tend to completely change their old lifestyle and to seek something that is more artistic, that is focused more on aesthetics, that is more um, feeding to the soul as to the body. 
So I'm optimistic, and I think that in future there will be more and more galleries and museums, and more people who starting to appreciate the art and the collections within them.